for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is December 15th, 2020. And today I've got a guy on to talk about his one acre piece of ground that he hunts and he killed a slammer on it this year. So that's what today's podcast is going to be all about. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 139. And today I have another Michigan guy on. His name is Taylor Artis. And he has a one acre chunk of ground that he hunts. And it is crazy because I have a one acre chunk of ground and he does as well. But the thing is, they're vastly different in how they lay out. He's literally got like one tree on his and I've got all trees and no grass. And he's got all grass and one tree. So it's pretty cool. And this story is wild to say the least. I mean... You're just going to have to listen to it because where we're at, you know, he hunts kind of around the same area I hunt. And in this area, the deer that he kills is a slammer. And it is a good deer. It's a good deer anywhere, really. But he kills it on one acre. But that's not the whole thing. That's not the whole story. It's crazy to find out what happens when he climbs in the tree that evening when everything went down. And I'm just going to leave it there a, li- a-, a little a little preempt there, um, a little tease. You're going to have to listen to it, but this is a good one. Uh, I, I really appreciate Taylor coming on and, and talking about this. You know, he's been texting with me for the last couple months and, and uh, just, you know, chit-chatting and everything. And when he killed this deer, uh, he sent it to me, and I'm like, dude, you did it. it was, it's crazy. So um, I'm just going to put it there. I'm just going to leave it out there. But I do have a little bit of announcement to make. If you guys do listen to podcasts on Pandora or if you're a Pandora listener, the fall podcast is on Pandora now. So go over there and listen to it on Pandora. It's on a lot of different channels. I mean, or a lot of different avenues, I just should say. You can listen to it on the fall podcast um, YouTube channel. You can listen to it on Apple Podcast. Uh, you can listen to it on Google Podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify, Stitcher. I can't even think of them all right now. There's like 30 or 40 different things you can listen to. At Castbox, I think TuneIn Radio might be one as well. iHeartRadio. I'm trying to get on that right now. Um, so anywhere you guys want to 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 listen, I was going to say tune in, but you don't really tune into a podcast. But anywhere you want to listen to it, uh, it's probably there. So. Yeah, I, I think that's all I got to say. I don't want to I don't want to go and and do a big long dissertation right now, but uh, we're gonna jump over this interview with uh, Taylor and hopefully you guys enjoy it. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today I have 
a guest from Michigan, from, I guess, I, I, I'm not going to call it Northern Michigan. I mean, you're basically Central Michigan, correct? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you live in kind of Northern Michigan, I, Northern Lower, I would say, maybe. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, that's we'll where go, you live we'll now. More of the yeah, northern, lower, west <laughs> yep. side of Michigan. <laughs> there you go, Taylor Artis. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I, we talked about doing this about a month ago, and uh, I've been looking forward to it ever since. Kind of, you know, minding my p's and q's and figuring out my details, but. Man, uh, <laughs> I, I'm excited. You know, been listening to a lot of your podcasts, and uh, it's an honor to be on. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, you reached out to me, I don't know, I can't remember when it was, before season maybe, and we kind of stayed in contact. But you were telling me about uh, a special little slice of heaven that you have in Michigan. And it is actually a one-acre chunk of property that you hunt. And I got very intrigued when you said that. <laughs> so, and uh, you killed a uh, a slammer of a buck with your bow on that one acre chunk. And then once you told me that, I said, okay, yep, we need to, we need to dive into the, the mind of, of what you're doing and how this got done. And, uh, I, I'm excited for it, man. Yeah, me too. And yeah, it's definitely a, it's a random sliver of one acre that, uh, we talked about probably won't go into too much detail where it's at, but it's, a we're getting some detail about the layout and, um, was really fortunate to be able to put some of that caliber on the ground and uh it's definitely a story to tell for sure man so first i guess before we get too far a lot of people that might not know you just kind of give the back background of who you are and what you do okay so my name is taylor artist i'm from claire michigan um went to claire high school uh went to mid michigan college now um played basketball there for two years and then got my degree from Central Michigan University. I currently uh, coach at Mid Michigan College for the men's basketball program. And uh, I sell insurance for, um, it's kind of what allows me to do this sort of thing is, you know, I can coach a little bit. I can punt almost when I want, as long as I keep working. <laughs> but I, I sell insurance from home since this uh, COVID stuff started and uh, I do personal line. So here's my, my marketing plug. Um, and then, uh, on the side, actually it's kind of a fun gig that we haven't talked about much is, uh, I have a dog who can track deer and it is phenomenal to watch her work. And, you know, around the McBain area where I live right now, um, you know, we go on a couple of tracks during bow season and, uh, help people that, you know, aren't as fortunate to, put a deer down right away and get in and go find them. So it's been a very eventful season for me this year. And um, I can only hope and pray to have a better one next year, but <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll be able to top this one. That's for sure, man. Well, the the deer track and hound is uh, ace in the hole. When you told me that, oh, yeah. I said, okay, I, I, you know, if I ever need you, <laughs> I, at least I know I got you. And that is, uh, that is awesome because I mean, when you least expect it, you need it, you know what I mean? And yep. you need some, a little extra help sometimes. So that, that's good. So, um, are you doing that? Like, I guess you could say commercially, are you, you know, taking in clients? Like, you know, is it something that you'd want to like say on here? Like, Hey, if anybody needs track and help, you know, I can put your, you know, information in the show, show notes and everything. If, if you're good with that. Yeah, I would love to, you know, we, uh, we'll travel anywhere pretty decently close, but anywhere in the Michigan area. Um, and then if I am not available, I know a couple of other guys who are available. So my only plug I would say is, you know, when we talk about how, um, when's the time to call on a tracker and, you know, this entire year I've learned so much going on different tracks. If you, you know, everyone thinks their deer is dead, as they should. You know, as soon as you hit something, you think it's dead. But um, if you're unsure of your shot, calling someone with a dog, you know, um, it's very helpful. I mean, liver shots and gut shots are, um, are our money spot for uh, bringing a dog in. So, okay, um, yeah, I'll, I'll love to help anyone that we can. It's with the business that we're in. And uh, tracking deer is always fun no matter when you do it. So 
For sure, man. Well, definitely. I'll, I'll put some stuff in the show notes from you. And uh, we might have to do another podcast just talking about deer tracking because that's something I've been wanting to get into. I got a couple guys uh, names down that I want to get into because that's just a whole new world, man. Like just learning, you know, where you hit the deer and how long to, you know, let it go depending on the hit. And, and, and like you said, a lot of people, majority of people, you know, a dead deer, they think right after, you know, and it's like, I hit him center mass and, but really what they didn't see is, you know, the arrow deflect off a rib maybe or something like that and go through the guts or, you know, maybe you hit it in the liver and that's immediate, you know, six, seven hour wait time, you know, usually. So definitely we might have to get into that on a different, different, uh, different conversation. No, for sure. Well, cool, man. So I guess to get into this little one acre chunk now, is this something that, that you've hunted in the past or is this something a new piece of property a lease or private you know somebody you know or you know by permission what is it so this spot is actually my grandfather's um property that he's been on for 20 some years he doesn't hunt um so i've never really thought about it as a hunting spot but then uh last year was the first time i actually sat there and took my climber in there's only one tree to get into um, on this back section. And I, I sat a morning there. Um, there was a, there's a bean field to my right that was uncut. Um, it was probably, it was late season about this time. And there, um, there was no sign of any deer going back there. Nothing. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go sit here. I've heard there's some pretty dang good bucks in this County, you know, occasionally. And, um, I sat there and within the first hour of light, I saw the biggest deer I've seen in Michigan on the hoof at about 150 yards away. That never got any closer. I forgot my calls inside, forgot everything, didn't even think about it. And ever since I saw that one buck um, run around, you know, late season, chase, still chasing does. I mean, he was the rule of the roost. I knew that that was a spot I had to start sitting. Like I need to, I need to learn some more information. I need to maybe put in a little plot. I need to do something about this spot. And um, coming into this year, I I set one trail camera up, um, put in probably a ten by ten little food plot. Just killed everything. Tried to work it up with a um, with a four wheeler and did not turn out well. There was and uh but i had a little travel corridor so kind of give me like the layout of what it is um there's it says on about one acre um behind me where i sit so it'd be to the west of me right behind me is um is a river that divides the property Uh, to my right of my stand is right on a property line that i can't shoot into where that um, where that big buck was in the bean field. And then to my left and kind of like center left is everything that I can shoot into, which my farthest, you know, shot that I can look at is even 80 yards. And it's all a bunch of just, um, standing grass, um, about waist high, some of it chest high, and just a complete bedding area, a couple of apple trees, you know, dispersed in there. And, um, it's just a really unique spot. I mean, it was something that I never thought about as a hunter. Um, you know, it kind of passed my mind that it might be an okay spot to go sit, but I never thought that it would hold deer. Yep. For sure. And it's a really cool spot. Yeah. When you think of something that small though, especially with, you know, it sounds like you don't have a lot of trees on there. So it's, it's probably not going to hold a lot of deer. And that's the something with my one acre piece is it was all trees and I cut down a lot of them. I hinge cut a lot of them so I could get that grass. I didn't have the grass. You do. Um, So this is going to be interesting to to kind of compare and contrast these two because they're vastly different, but they're the same size. Um, So you don't have a lot of trees, but you have tall grass, which is awesome. You know, if you, if it's chest high CRP here in Michigan, that is, that's tall. You don't see that a lot around here. Um, right. You know, so that's huge just to have, you know, the cover. Now you have apple trees, so I'm guessing those are probably producing apples here and there every so often, probably. 
Yep. Um, from what I noticed, uh, there was only two out of, I can think of five on the property in total. Um, two had apples and then, um, but every single one still had, you know, that perfect height of that apple tree to get a couple of scrapes underneath of them to just know that there's buck activity there, not knowing, you know, what size at the time, not sure. knowing how many, but yeah. Okay. So coming into this, like last year, after you saw that buck, now coming into this year, what was your game plan like? You know, it's one acre. It's You probably only have one access point from it, I'm going to guess, because you're surrounded by, you know, three other properties that you only can probably come in from one direction, I'm guessing? Yep. Okay, so that, that makes it tough. That's the same with me. I only got one access point because I'm surrounded by, you know, two other landowners, and you just can't, I don't have permission to go on them to, to get in there. So what was your game plan coming into this year? I mean, you said you put a food plot in, but... I mean, you're limited. You only have one tree. You know, was it like one of those things like I got to stay the hell out of here and just kind of see what transpires, you know, maybe uh, monitor the trail cam in there? Or was it like just get in aggressive and let's see it with my own two eyes? No, the plan was definitely to I stayed out of there as much as I could. Um, I think I checked that trail camera every two weeks. Um, That's the camera that will be replaced next year with the uh, the cell cam <laughs> yep because because it is you know what you're saying it's just it's such a small area yeah um, any scent that i go in there i'm hoping it's going to rain hoping it's going to wash away anything that i got but um only one way in so what i did do is I, I hung one camera um right in front of my tree so i started with having one one set stand that's the only spot i could put one in uh, I didn't want to be climbing in and out, you know, doing any extra work. So I put in a fixed stand up there and um, hung my camera right at a the traveling spot in the back of the property. Um, and then just every two weeks, I was checking it, seeing if there was um, anything coming through, what time of day, doing the best monitoring I could. And um, early season, I was getting, you know, just your typical little basket racks, small stuff, nothing that was alarming that says you know hey you know there's something right. showing up right at daylight you need to get your butt in there so okay so i'm gonna back up a couple weeks so throughout the summer okay. you probably had some apples on the trees i'm gonna guess and then coming in like as the deer are starting to get you know they're growing and everything what were you seeing on camera in the summer nothing to be nothing. completely honest there was there was nothing of a caliber that says you know you need to get in there and you know, figure out what kind of buck this is because um my camera, my best cameras were back at home in McBain. Okay. I had some, I had a double drop time behind my house. We had, I mean, just some crazy looking deer behind my house uh, in McBain. I'm thinking that's what I'm focusing on. That, yep. That's where I'm going. I only hung the one camera and the, and the one acre property. and um, There was no focus there. So sure. it, was, it was really, it was really, really slow. And I knew I was prepping for, you know, for the rut and for that late season possibly with you know putting in a little food source but um i i kind of expected better throughout the summer yeah and that's something that that i found out pretty fast too is like in in my one acre chunk i you know i've got a little green clover plot in the middle of it and all i get is does i never get bucks never i mean you might i might get a spike or you know a little basket rack like you were talking but when it really starts ramping up is 15th of October. Now, if there's a cold front in early October and I'm home, I jump in there. But 15th of October on until November 15th is basically the time that you need to park your ass in there and <laughs> and really just ride the hole kind of thing. So, and that was frustrating. And I could see, I could, I could hear in your voice that it was like frustrating because you're like, you put all this time and effort into doing stuff. And then it's like, well, shit, nothing's here. And then the mind games start playing with you, you know? So it's like, is it worth it? You know? So what was your mind thinking then? Nothing, nothing there of what you want to chase. Were you immediately like, okay, it's going to be a rut hole or like, just, I'm not going to even hunt it. I'm not even going to try it. Yeah. My mindset was focused on that double drop time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. finding a, finding a unicorn behind your house, like <laughs> yep. you're going to, you're going to do everything you can to find that deer. And For sure. Just sitting on the outskirts, you know, early season, trying to uh, you know, trying to catch them coming out of the woods. Um, 
something that you guys have talked about in previous podcasts is, you know, just learning from gathering information from other people. And, um, I mean, just this year I changed my tactics completely. I mean, last year I was going in early in the mornings, um, on sits blowing through deer and thinking, Oh, you know, they'll come back around. And, um, no, I mean, this year was completely different. It had some strategy to it. Um, stayed on the outskirts early season, you know, ch- uh, checking food sources, checking cameras, um, you know, hopefully every seven to 10 days, even though I'm a little antsy working from home and have mm-hmm. the opportunity to go check it every day. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was, uh, it was, it was definitely, it was tough to, um, go have any, any promising thoughts of going to sit that spot without getting anything on camera. Okay. Now, did you ever think like going in there every two weeks, checking your camera, you're like, shit, I'm screwing this up. Like I don't need to be doing this. I didn't think so. Um, I was optimistic. I know I was, I was being careful, um, getting in out of there quick, um, checking the weather, making sure I'm going in at, you know, between that 11 and two o'clock time. Uh, I didn't think it was too much. Um, I, I do think, you know, the property kind of bouncing back and forth, but the property that's behind our house, I think I was checking too much. Okay. I think that's why we kind of blew some deer out of there, but I think that's what led to my success of the one acre is because I wasn't checking that one that, you know, that property sitting almost an hour away from my house yep. and it gets you kind of, you know, it's a little out of the way and isn't as convenient. For sure. And that's something I did this year is I bought two cell cams. Actually, I bought one last year and then I got another one this year. And that's what I do in those little plots is I just right in the middle, I put a camera in there and I, I get it. It doesn't, it doesn't pick up the whole you know, one acre, but it gives you a good indication because I know where the deer spend most of their time in there. So that I never had to check one camera on my farm this year because they were all cell cams. And I'm like, this is, this is where it's at. (laughs) To me, cell cams are the best thing ever. (laughs) Oh man. So, um, I guess, I mean, coming into, let's, let's, let's talk about like coming into late September. I mean, the deer getting hard horned. Did anything move in? Not yet. They moved in. I had a 10 day stretch. I let the camera soak and I ended up getting four different shooters and within a series of four nights. Holy shit. In September? Um, no, a couple of weeks later would be the middle of October. Okay. So you didn't get one buck that you would clarify as a shooter on camera until mid October. Correct. Okay. Yep. Now, were there any like scrapes or anything popping up in the in the meantime, like early October, late September? Did you see any like buck activity in there? Yeah, there was there was a couple small ones. I made a mock scrape uh, right below my stand, right where I set the camera at, um, just off the trail. I thought it'd be a good spot for it, and um, getting consistent does coming coming in late. Um, you could definitely tell that. You know, in the early season, they were using it for bedding. Yep. Um, but then I think the weather stayed pretty nice in Michigan in October for the most part. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, my, my grandpa who doesn't hunt likes to walk around his property and <laughs> enjoy, enjoy it. And I'm yep. like, dude, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to make some magic happen here and you're blowing it all up. You've but. got 11 other months or 10 other months <laughs> to do this. And grandpa, you're I'm all saying. here. <laughs> Um, so you had some scrapes popping up, but did, when you were going back there to hunt or even check cameras, were you ever kicking deer out of their beds or anything or, or spooking any deer? No, I was not. Um, okay. but it, it will lead into the, into the actual kill story about, um, deer bedding back there. Okay. Okay. I don't want to get to that quite yet. So y- you come into October, not a shooter on there. So you got to be a little discouraged still, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, kind of like my focus just wasn't there, you know, it was, I'm gonna keep letting it sit. You know, um, I think if there was something really promising, I, I might've blew that area. I probably would have been a little, um, too much pressure. I think I would have went back there and would have left my scent there every couple of days. And, um, it might've taken away from any, you know, any future opportunities I would have had going into the rut. Yep. Okay. So take me to middle of October. Now you go in to check the camera. I'm guessing you might be going to hunt and that's when you find these shooters on here. 
Yeah, so I went and sat one other time besides the day that I um, got my kill. It was middle of October. I want to say maybe the 18th or 19th or 20th, somewhere out there. Um, I went in and sat it for the first time, checked the camera. I brought my uh, little adapter to just swap the card, and I plugged it into my phone. I started scrolling, and um, I had a group – a little bachelor group of bucks that I mean were the biggest bucks I had on camera, all of them, all four of them. It was ridiculous. I mean, it wasn't, there was none of them that um, were really like really, really mature monster deer, but I mean, they were good two and a half, three and a half year olds, probably two and a half for the most part. But I mean, we're talking 110 to 130s. Um, okay. One of them was probably, I couldn't tell from the angle. Um, you could just see from the height in the background. He got a little closer in a different one. If he's a 10, um, he's pushing the 130s. Okay. One, you know, high 130s. But then a couple of other young bucks that you know got me excited to go sit in that stand. Um, definitely later in the year when I knew. Because it was the, you know, that typical 2 in the morning. Yeah. Um, they're showing up. Nothing even close. But No daylight. Uh, it so, de- definitely got the yeah. juice flowing. Yeah, so they're probably, I mean, they're coming from a ways away. You know, they're just traveling through and just probably checking. They've probably been in that area before and just checking who's around here kind of thing, you know. That's kind of what I thought, too. Yeah, so you get these deer, I mean, for a couple good bucks that you would probably shoot, what you're thinking. And it's 2 a.m. in the morning. So, I mean, really, your hands are kind of tied. And that's what I'd be thinking because you only have one acre here. You can't really move. So I'm thinking, you know, if I'm getting that, my hands are tied. I've just got to wait for a cold front or hot dough. Is that what you're thinking? Oh, 100%. That's exactly <laughs> why I didn't. That's why I didn't go back in there. Like, okay. I, I was going to. And I kept thinking about it like, man, the best bucks I've got on camera are over here. And uh, that double drop time was already shot within the first 10 days of bow season. Oh, really? Like, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, this is this is it. This is the spot. But then um, with coaching basketball, you know, we usually we practice at night and um, you know, not seeing them during a daylight photo still kept me out of there and, um, definitely set up for the right timing. Yep. Now, did you see any deer that night that you sat or that first night? Um, every time that I've sat there now, I've seen deer and it's always been, they use the river behind me, um, to either cross into the ag field or, um, they just walk the river. I mean, I, I can't believe the amount of traveling that I get um, just because it's it's silent for them. I yep. mean, they are super quiet in the river, but I usually get a group of does that come by. Um, they make their way on a nice little angle of the neighbor's property behind me, and they will end up in the ag field. So I can at least get my eyes on deer just about every time, but they don't necessarily come into that one acre every time. I got you. Okay. So you get these pictures of these deer. So you're thinking, I got to wait for a hot doe or a cold front. So when was going to be your next sit? You're thinking the first one was probably around October 20th. So when was going to be your next sit that you knew you could get down there and and really get after it? My next sit was definitely going to be, um, talk about any cold front, if there was anything that was going to happen uh, the end of October, um, or my first available day that I can get in for a good long um sit at night in the first week of November. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you got to do. That's exactly yeah. what I would have done. You know, <laughs> I love those, those last, you know, five to eight days of October, especially in yeah. Michigan. I love them because that's just when I feel like you see all the bigger deer on their feet the most, you know, and they're still somewhat a little bit predictable, but if you have the first hot doe come in, I mean, that big mature deer is going to find her and, you know, oh, exactly. usually hang out with her. So, um, so how did that last 10 days of October really transpire? And when did you get in the stand next? What day was it? It was November 3rd. I, uh, we were still, you know, trying our best for basketball season to get some practices in. We were, um, so that's, you know, basically Monday through Friday, um, being able to just find the right amount of time to get in there and, if everyone knew this year, November 3rd was election day. Uh, we took the day off to allow the guys in our program to go out and vote. 
um, wanted them to be able to um, express themselves, make sure that, you know, they did the right thing. And we're like, you know what? I've, I've got the night off. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, I think this is the night, you know, I can get in the stand. And um, the weather wasn't wasn't that good. I mean, it was okay. It was, I think it was about 50, 52. Um, I remember putting on my camo and thinking, you know, I might have to just layer down. Like, it's really not that cold. So it was a very just you know, normal day for, normal day for September. But it was, I think it was pretty warm for you know, like in November. You yep, know? definitely. Now, what was the wind direction? Because you said your your stand is on the west side of the one acre. It is yes, it's on the west side. So the wind was um, wind was on my back. It was perfect. Like so, with with the wind on my back, it blows um, down the property line. Okay. And it doesn't it doesn't hit anything. Like the only time that it would spook anything is when they're within 10 yards you know right below my stand walking by yep and usually so by that time you're hoping land. to have an arrow in one <laughs> exactly yep yeah so you get in the stand and i mean it's the rut so i did you check the camera so we're we're the back up there's okay. some okay there's good. some pretense in that see that's, i like pretense i like important. i like the details give me the details for sure. Um, so Cliff Notes version of my morning. I hunted a buck that I had at the in-laws place. Um, great buck. You know, probably three and a half year old, just super heavy deer. Nothing of the caliber that, you know, um, ended up happening that night. But I messed up a hunt in the morning. Had a buck come in to 10 yards. Uh, picked me up, looking straight at me. Um with behind a tree, just an awful, awful experience. And <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, I, I called my, called my stepdad and I given him my spiel. I said, I'm, I'm on the verge of crying. You know, this is one of my shooters out here. I mean, the and this is a different property you said, right? Your in-laws yeah. property. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And just was a, was an awesome morning to be in the woods. I mean, November 3rd of this year in Michigan was hot. Yeah. It was, I, I had, uh, I had two bucks fighting that I saw for the first time in person, like legit fighting and not just sparring. Yep. I had just everything laid out perfect. Um, but moral of that part of it is, like, if I would have shot that buck, I wouldn't have been in the stand that night. Yep. Yeah. So he gets away, um, go through my sob story with, with my stepdad, and he's like, just, <laughs> just get back in the woods. Just stop talking to me and go hunt. I was like, all right. So I end up going over to uh, my grandpa's place. What made you go uh, to your grandpa's place? Was it because you screwed up the morning at the in-laws? Yes. So if you would have screwed up that morning or wouldn't have screwed up the morning at the in-laws, would you have went there instead? I might have. There's um, There was a couple of, of big deer that uh, we knew about and didn't have on camera that um, they've got a beautiful property in McBain. And it was, it's convenient. You know, it was easy. So. Yep. Um, only having those deer on photo at night was, um, at the one acre property was still discouraging. So yeah. I was probably going to sit in McBain that night if I wouldn't have messed that spot up. So, okay. Glad I, glad I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I arrived to my grandpa's house. It's probably three o'clock in the afternoon. And of course, uh, I get out, you know, he comes out, we're, we're outside shooting the shit, just talking, you know, just normal. Um, he's, he's looking at some of my bow stuff. He's like, so what's that for? Kind of thing. <laughs> explain it to him. You know, this is it's what keeps me safe in the tree. This is what, you know, it does with all this stuff. And, um, but we're, we're talking loud. Okay. I mean, just, we're not talking deer talk. Yep. And, uh, I, I see the guy who hunts the property, who hunts on the other side of the fence of me. And I haven't seen him yet all year. So I see this guy and I'm thinking, you know what? Sorry, Grandpa, I, I, I need to go. Like, I need to go try to talk to this guy. Yep. Because, you know, just safe face. You know, if I shoot something, runs over there, you know, so on and so forth. You yep. put, you know, a name name to a face. And I start trying to catch up to this guy. And I'm kind of jogging behind him. And I give him the old, like, will whistle. Hey, yo, hey. And he doesn't hear me. And I'm just like, well. All right, so he climbs in. He climbs in his stand, twenty yards away from my stand, and I oh really? Up in, yeah, he's that close he, to you. Okay, 
yeah so he's over there but then there's another like there's a branch that's broken down and we can't see each other so okay. i so i know he's there and i don't think he knows i'm there um so i kept trying to get a hold of him and he wouldn't you know he wouldn't even look at me so i'm getting into the stand and um i since this i've thought to myself why don't i have a, a bow string to to bring my bow up yep um it's in a weird angled tree that it's kind of just like I can just step up as I get into it. And, uh, I get about halfway up and I'm looking into this field of bedding. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, you're looking that, into the one acre, like your property. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking into the one acre with my bow in my hand. I'm about nine, 10 feet in the air already about halfway up my stand. And I'm looking over and I, I see tips. And I'm like, no, thinking to myself, there's, there's no way that there's a buck laying right there right now. And all of a sudden I see the, of him turn his head and I'm like, uh, okay. There oh. is a really, really good buck laying right there, 40 yards away from my stand. Right. So I'm halfway up my stand and all of a sudden my stand starts going, I'm shaking. So I'm trying to tell myself, calm down, stop, like, just go slow, work your way up. But I mean, my grandpa and I were already talking. I was whistling at this guy on the other property, you know, who's 60 yards away from this buck right now. Yep. And he didn't, didn't move, didn't hear anything, didn't stand up. And, uh, I get in the stand, I set everything down and I range him. He's at 41 yards. He's, our, he's in shooting distance right now. Yes. Yes. Did he ha- so did he have a doe with him? No, by himself. Holy shit. He, he was exhausted. Like this guy was, his head was a little bit alert, just looking around a little bit. Um, but I mean, this was a beautiful buck laying right there. And I start texting everyone I know thinking, oh my gosh, there's this awesome, it would have been the, you know, the best buck of my life is laying right here. What do I do? You know, do I try to grunt? Do I make a bleat? You know, yep. do I just sit? And uh, so 10 minutes goes by. And I'm, I made the decision. You know what? I'm going to sit here. I'm going to work on my breathing. I'm going to be ready. Uh, I went on a little trip this year and I was comfortable shooting at, you know, 60, 70 yards at shooting at an elk. I'm going to be comfortable shooting at 40 yards with his deer. Yep. Now I've got the practice in. New VXR wants to bark. I'm ready. And I'm just patient. So 10 minutes goes by of me just breathing and talking to myself. And he finally stands up. <laughs> so I'm can you like, shoot him right now? No, he's, he's faced right at me, but his head's turned towards the road. Okay. So he's, it, it was tight and I'm not going to shoot 40 yards tight. You know, that wasn't, that wasn't the ball game, but I knew if he were to start walking away, and I had I had the shooting lane. I had the time. I, I could have stopped him at within forty, and I you know I would have took the shot then. Yep. But especially with the deer, that's you know he's not boogered at all. Like he's just exactly. You know he's not. It doesn't sound like he's, you know, nervous or anything. No, he had no idea it was there. He had no other deer with him. He was you know he was calm. I was working on getting calm myself. <laughs> it took a while, but. Um, it finally, you know, it started to pan out. So he, after about 10 minutes, he stood up and he, a, a big truck on the road went by and he was kind of checking it out. He did that, you know, that big old buck just shake and shook his whole body. And I'm just in <laughs> awe. And, uh, I'm waiting for him to move. And about two minutes more goes by. He lays back down. Oh I'm man. I'm just like, you know, sit, kept saying to myself, when he's ready, I'm ready. When he's ready, I'm ready. Yeah. Another 40 minutes goes by, doesn't get up. And all of a sudden between the two houses, um, you know, the neighbor's house, that's, you know, probably 300 yards away from my stand. And then my grandpa's house comes sprinting two does. And then I see two bucks. I'm thinking, what in the world? Like they're running between two houses yep. you know, in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the one doe runs the opposite edge of the property line and has a, has a nice buck chasing her. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that's a good buck. 
And then the next doe comes sprinting right towards me. And then behind her is my shooter. So he, wait a second. So, yeah. okay. Explain that. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> the now. buck, the buck that I killed was not the one laying on the ground. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a beautiful nine wide as can be. I mean, I'm talking at least 18 inches wide, way outside his ears. I have photos of that buck. Okay. It's laying on the ground. And I, I was scrolling through and I realized what buck that was laying there. I didn't shoot that buck. Holy I shot shit. the buck. Yeah. I shot the buck that came sprinting after this doe. The doe ended up right below me at my stand. And then uh, from the video I sent you, you can see that the deer's running in. Yep. That's the buck I shot. Okay. So what? Okay, so the doe loops around, the buck's on her butt. She runs to the bait shear tree. How far is he behind her? He's sticking about 20 yards behind her the entire time, and then he ends up uh, holding up right at the edge of my little fake food plot I tried to make and the tall grass. And he's quartering pretty hard towards me, but he doesn't, like, he doesn't know what's going on. Okay. And So, so that's when what I, happens I to the buck laying down then? Like, did he get all spooked? nothing he just sat there the whole time this all transpired i shot my buck it ran off the doe took off everything just scattered that buck never moved holy shit okay so <laughs> let's go back so the doe runs in okay. underneath you he is standing the buck that you shot is standing at the edge of the food plot at 20 yards and then so you pull back your bow and you shoot him right yep he ended up being 20 Eight yards, I think, is what I put on him afterwards. Okay. Um, I, I drew back as soon as he was within 30. I knew I might have to stop him, but he stopped on his own. Um, quartered pretty hard, and I knew if I'm going to make a shot, you know, I need to tuck it really tight to his shoulder. And then um, I knew my I'm going for one lung. I'm going for a little bit of liver. I'm going for guts. Like, I'm trying to put that perfect pass through. Um, I'm getting just a little bit of everything. And uh, – you know, luckily, from all the breathing I did for 45 minutes prior to this, <laughs> I was I was calm as can be. Um, I took from the video time. I you know I realized you know the glory of having film. You know, just being able to know where you put it, how long you drew for. I drew for three and a half seconds. I held it on that spot. Yeah. And as soon as I let go of the let go of the arrow, you know my my bow didn't move. And that's one of those I'm like. You know, I'm patting myself on the back, like, good job, Taylor. Money, Way to go. Like, money. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You did exactly what you're supposed to. You've been practicing for this. You know, this is what you did. And I, um, you know, if if that would have happened without that buck laying there, I probably would have, you know, done something stupid. And I would have to go home and get my dog and bring it back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So he runs off. Did you see where, where did your buck go? So he ran within two yards of this buck that was better. So I, I, I hit him. I knew I hit him good. Um, he, he spun out and was running directly north. So away from me on my left side, um, he was staying tight to the river. And then he went and crashed into the river. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, like, he's dead in the river. Like I, he hit hard. And, you know, he's a big body deer. Um, there's no way he's not floating in this river right now. Yep. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all right, do I sit here and go for the double or do I get down and like go recover the biggest buck of my life currently Yep. and make sure he doesn't float away? Man, that is a dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I'm kicking myself in the nuts because I, I got up, you know, I, I gave it about 10 minutes and, um, I waited for this buck to stand up and he wouldn't move. So what I did is I racked another arrow in and I got down and I started walking towards them. I got within 10 yards of this buck bedding and I started soft. I was just like, Meh. give me the old little yep. uh, best doe bleat you got in your mouth yep. call. And I switched to uh, something a little louder and then a third time a little bit louder. And this thing did not get up. He did not move. He did not care. He might be deaf. And you couldn't know. shoot him at this time either? No. He was in He was in that uh, CRP probably chest high. Yep. 
Um, I, I gave myself an angle knowing where he was. I kept him within about, if he were just to stand up, I had him within 10, but if he kind of did one of those stand up and spin out and he stopped, he was within 20, 25 the whole time. Okay. So I gave him the old whistle and a yelp as loud as I could because this thing was not moving. Like, yeah. what am I supposed to do? I can't like step on him. You almost and, wonder if he got like hit by a car now, like, and he just went yeah. over here and just like laid down. I really couldn't figure it out, but like when he stood up, he, um, when he shook off, I mean, he was just a big body deer that looked like he, he looked slow. Yep. He didn't, he didn't look like he was really hurt to get up because he got up, especially the second time when he got up, he busted out of there as fast as he could. Yep. Um, so when you bleeded the, the last time he just got out of there and busted out. Yeah. He didn't even stop to look. He didn't check. He, man, he turned right out of that bed and, um, I held it on him at 25 yards for probably two and a half seconds as he left the property and ran to the river. And I kept thinking to myself, you know what, how many different scenarios could I have done right there to really (laughs) capitalize on this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, so my grandpa's house is only a hundred yards away thinking to myself, you know what, if I would have got him just to stand outside and, you know, bang on a pot once. He yep. probably would have just stood right up, and I could have doubled up and, you know, made a story of a lifetime. But Hell yeah. Or even, oh, you know, man. just took your grunter and snort wheezed or, or grunted real loud at him just to get him. I mean, yeah. Having your grandpa come out and, you know, dance around in his underwear <laughs> or something like that yelling, he probably would have got up. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, he might have been used to that, though. So he <laughs> might have stayed down. But. Yeah. <laughs> So this buck runs out. So now, like, so can you see that other hunter then this whole time? No. I mean, he, I knew where he was. I think when I got down, I think he could probably see me, you know, sneaking up on this deer. He's probably sitting there thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? Yeah. He but and he had he, to have heard you shoot, right? Yeah. He had to have. Okay. He's, I mean, he's within 40 yards and, um, yeah, I, I bet he saw the buck take off. And then uh, the doe that he was chasing, I think, blew by past him after I shot. Okay, so I got you. He knew something was up. Yep. Now, how big was the buck that was bedded there? Was he bigger than the one you shot or just, you know, same size kind of thing? No, he was probably a little bit smaller. He probably would have scored in the high one-teens, maybe pushing 120. He okay. was, he was a nine-point, uh, super wide. Um, not as much girth to him, yep. but, um, real respectable, really nice deer. Um, I would still take any day, any year. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So let's, let's get to the track. So what, what's your, what's your scenario now? Do you get over to, to impact? Do you find blood? Like what's the deal? So I, I skipped it. I went right to, um, cause I was already about, um, you know, 15 yards onto the blood trail because i was you know trying to shoot this other deer oh sure yep yep and uh i saw where he went into the river so then i started kind of just grid searching a little bit looking for blood i didn't see any on that side thinking what in the world like did it do one of those uh shots where you hit perfect but then you know that skin folds back over yeah because of the pass through and just didn't know but i mean i'm shooting um hypodermics rage and I knew there was going to be a big hole, so I was looking for blood and didn't see any, but I knew. Um, I was, so as I was walking, I was checking the river. Um, I was looking for him floating. Um, that was my thought pattern the entire time. That's why I got down. That's why I didn't double up. Yeah. And so was the river pretty high, and was it flowing pretty good? I didn't know. I, oh, okay. I had no idea. Gotcha. Um, come to find out, it was about knee high, and it was flowing. It was flowing okay. Um Enough to probably carry a body for a little bit, but yep. not enough to blow it past like a, a down limb. Yeah. Okay. So with the unknown, um, started the track. I knew I smoked him. I gave him about 20 minutes um, from all this to play out. And uh, I just kind of just went for a blood trail, went looking what was going on, um, checked the river as I was walking. And I, I get about 60 yards down. I knew that's where he crashed in. Didn't see a body. Um, so I get to the edge of the property. I'm one step onto the next neighbor's property and I see blood finally. And then I look up and he's 15 yards on the other side of the bank laying on the neighbor's property dead. And 
dead, dead oh. in a doornail. Oh my gosh! I mean, seeing the side of his rack hanging up, I'm thinking, this isn't real. Like, <laughs> this does this doesn't happen. Dude, you went through so. I mean, you must have gray hair now from your day. I mean, you go that morning, and you know you you have a bad experience that morning on a deer, and then you got this other buck that's bedded there for over an hour. You shoot a buck that comes running in, and then you try to <laughs> spot and stalk this other one. I mean, what the hell? This is all on one acre, one acre in Michigan. <laughs> it was all within eight hours. I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I guess was, the first encounter in the morning was not on one acre, but still. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Just man. craziness. It was, so, it was. It's a day to remember forever. You know, it's one of those that you're sitting by a campfire. You know, it's one of those you can always tell, and it's never going to get old. Yeah, definitely. So now, so he's on the neighbors then, right? Yep. So did you have to go get permission or anything like that, or did you already have permission? I was close. It was one of those. It was one of those that I was going to ask you what. What is your moral dilemma of how far should a should a deer be on someone else's property that you don't know that you the only thing that you know is that they only rifle hunt. This uh, this guy who sits on the next on the next section only rifle hunts. Now I don't have his contact information. I know his name. I have his onyx information, and I know the guy who knows the owner. Okay. So so how far is is too far before you just grab your deer? and bring it back to your property without, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what, what's, that's what's that tough. moral dilemma of? Um, you know, and I've had this scenario twice now on the one acre property. I've shot two deer now on it and I've had to go on the neighbors. Now they weren't, they, they ran through the neighbors and I, when I, I mean, I've always been, I try to go by the book. You know what I mean? I've always been like, yep. you know, if it's, if it's on the neighbor's call and I call every time it was the same guy twice and he's, I don't know him. I've met him before. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Go right ahead. You know, let me know how it comes out or whatever, you know? So that's, that's good. But like, honestly, if that deer, if I shot a deer and it went over the fence and let's say it's literally, you know, 10 yards, I'm talking about 10 paces, like where I know I could just go over there and just drag him back. I probably would just drag him back. Any, you know, I'm not saying like 12 yards, I wouldn't, but you know what I mean? Like I try to, I don't know, that that's tough because I, I want to be neighborly, you know, and I want the neighbors to be neighborly with me. I've got no problem with anybody going on any property I have permission on as long as you just call me, you know what I mean? So it, that's, that's tough. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do, oh. I guess. I know what you mean. Like that, it's, I think it's a really tough dilemma. And what I've kind of, you know, grew up on is if, if you can see it and it's within a reasonable distance, like it was in a hardwoods, it yep. was, you know, f- 15 yards over there. Um, if someone were to do it to me, I'd be okay with it. But yep. then if, if I can't see my deer or if I see my deer and it's way in there, um, you know, I would want that same common courtesy, that same neighborly stuff that you're just talking about yep. because you are, you are entering someone else's private property sure. and especially in Michigan, like you're not always entitled to, you know, what's over there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like you said, the only thing you knew is you, you knew somebody that knows them. Right. And then, exactly. and then you knew they were only gun hunters. So I'm not saying that saying that makes it any better, but you know that they're not going to be in there for the, you know, another two weeks, you know? So, right. and it's not like you're going through tracking a deer through there. So I, I could agree with you there if you could see them, you know, and you're not traipsing all through there. Uh, I, I could see that for sure, yeah. Yeah, and then definitely, if, if, how you said too, if, if you're going on a track and then even if you make that first call, you know, you make that first call and make that relationship, um, it's definitely going to be a lot smoother, even if it is two yards on someone else's property yeah. or if it's 200. Yep, for sure. It's going to be a big difference. Yep. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So... I'm guessing, I mean, he wasn't far off the fence, you said. He was, you know, a couple yards or, or something like that. So I'm guessing you just went over and dragged him over? Yeah, he was, I would guess, 12. I, I just said drag. 12, 15. You drug him over? <laughs> I, oh my, I'll tell you what. So to add to the story, I, uh, so at the river, it's a really high bank. And I went over, um, took a couple of videos, looked at him real quick, and I knew, you know what, um, I'm already over here. I only got, you know, 12, 15 yards to bring him back. Um, I brought him back over, but then 
I get to the river and there's no way I'm getting this buck up um, by myself. I mean, it's muddy, it's steep. There's not a chance that I'm doing this alone. Yeah. So I'm thinking of my grandpa. I'm like, no, he's he's in the seventies. I, I, I don't <laughs> no. think I don't think he's gonna be able to help me. Right. So I go knock on the neighbor's property that is directly north of my grandpa um, on his side of the river. Okay. And I go knock on the door and I'm like, hey, hi. I don't know if you hunt. I don't I don't know who you are, but um, I just shot a buck. It's laying on the other side of the river. Um, is there, do you have anything or do you care if I, you know, I, I back my truck up kind of a thing because I'm not going to be able to get the deer up. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's 10, 15 feet straight up pitch with mud. Like this isn't going to happen. Right. So, um, awesome guy, super nice. Um, you know, I sent him a card already, um, with a little gift card just to say, thank you. I plan on dropping off some bass into him. He ends up, uh, him and his wife actually, um, they took my, my hero picks. They, um, brought their ranger out and we strapped it up to the ranger and tugged it up. I mean, <laughs> just, <Look at> there. <laughs> yeah, I know just stand up people that, yep. um, like you said too, like making that connection with them. And now anytime, if I had a deer run over there, they'd be like, Oh yeah, go right ahead. That's awesome. Yep. So Good it was deal. pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So what a day, November 3rd, what a day for you. So now you know, you kind of got to tell, tell everybody how big is he? Like, did you ever get him scored? Like, how old do you think he is? Now, score is not, I, I say it all the time, score is not the biggest thing, but it's a good way for everybody to representate, you know, the deer. That's not even a word, but it's a good way for people to, like, <laughs> you know, picture the deer. Exactly. All right, so uh, he came back. He's a mainframe eight. Um, he's got one little point that's probably – half an inch um to where a lot of people would consider him a nine but he's a mainframe eight that broke off a backside um point attached to his right side brow okay he grew he grew a second brow that was completely broken off and he broke off his main his right side g2 he almost busted that in half and he scored 134 and seven eight the way with the broken the tides way, and everything yep the way okay. he is wow that's it crazy was, it, it was insane it was that's one a great year yeah i mean he holds his mass all the way through um what was it a 18 and a half inside spread oh wow yep um 12 and a half inch g2 on the left side i mean just an awesome, awesome buck. It was, it was awesome. here. How old do you think he was? Did you get him age or what do you estimate him? I'm getting him aged. Um, he's at the taxidermist right now, but it would be, he's at least three and a half. Um, I, I, could, I could vouch for that all day. He's got a lot of stickers um, at the base. I mean, he's, he's probably three and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if he's four and a half. Okay. Awesome, man, dude. That that's so cool, and to do it on you know one acre, and that and that's what I've been saying for to myself for the last four years is what makes those little pieces so good is if you can hunt it in the rut, you know, because those does will take or those bucks will take those does in these just weird ass places. And look at that nine that was bedded there. He's probably chasing does all night and all day, and he just needed a breather, you know, and he just found some good cover and he's bedded up so oh for sure that's awesome man so cool so now i guess you know being here now in december we're talking about this what is your take on this one acre now like what i'm sure you've got plans for next year to enhance some stuff maybe or do some stuff differently or are you going to do anything differently so the only thing i'm going to change up is cell cams so i'm not getting in there way too much yep i'm going to um throw down some clover um do some frost seeding for sure because the food plot that i tried to put in just didn't take i mean it was a i killed it um did everything i was supposed to but then with a no-till um just didn't turn out this year so i'm gonna try to do my best to have just a little section to um just entice anything that might be going from the ag fields or from the river to at least, you know, make an appearance within the one acre. But, um, just having that standing CRP is, um, it's a blessing, you know, having the the river right behind me and, um, 
having a good mix of, I mean, I've got within 40 yards, I've got bedding CRP. I've got a couple of apple trees. I've got, um, the crop of the year to my right, whatever that may be. Um, right behind me is a river and behind that is a beautiful hardwoods. So it's, you know, um, if a deer wants to live in that little, I'll say four acre section, it can live there all year long. Yep. How big is the hardwoods then? Is it four acres? No, the hardwood behind me is probably pushing 40. Okay, so say. that helps out a ton then, too. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. I got you. That's awesome, man. So cool. I, You know, and if you're anything like I am, you know, this is the fourth year I've been on, fourth or fifth year, I've been on the one my one acre, and I haven't killed anything in there yet, but the camera just shows bucks you know in the 120s 130s in there every rut and this year i actually came the closest to killing my first buck in that one acre he was just my hinge cuts were too thick <laughs> he just oh, hung, right. <laughs> he just hung out behind the hinge cuts and um it it sucked but you know that's that's why i wanted the hinge cut in there though too is because i wanted to entice him and all that buck was doing was he he was coming in to check for does it was it was the last week of October, and he was coming in there to check, and um, he just didn't make. He needed a couple more steps, and he just didn't do that. So, but uh, <laughs> it's fun though. It, it it may. I'm not saying I lost the fun for hunting, but it made it even more fun. I think because it's challenging. I mean, you're talking about right. one acre of timber. Like you could throw a baseball to each each end of it you know right so it, it's just so cool you know i think it's it's challenging for one acre but i think it also gives you almost a sigh of relief too of how how many less options you have i agree 100 you know you get that um like hey you know i've, I've got one tree to sit in all right well you better put on the best angle you got yep. you know? and then you've got only one little area you know, do you want to mess with that angle you know, do you want to mess with what is going on in there or do you want to just leave it so it's it's challenging, but it's also like, it's a sigh of relief of, you don't have 40 acres to say, all right, well, I've got, you know, three stands for this one. I've got, um, you know, a food plot over here, a food plot over there, um, checking cameras to make sure of what side of the property the deer's on. It's either you got them or you don't. Yep. I so agree. It, it, it's a lot more simple. I agree hundred percent because it, you know, hunters in general overthink things a lot and that take, I feel like this you know, this kind of scenario takes the overthinking out of the equation, basically. Right. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's cool. Well, congratulations, man. That's that's a hell of a feat right there. That's that's awesome. Thank you, man. I don't know if I'll ever be able to beat it in Michigan. My fingers are crossed. It's a uh, it's definitely a buck of a lifetime for where we're at. And yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be tough to beat, but obviously, you know, I think the trend, you know, it'll be a whole nother topic to get into but i think that trend of everyone who's trying to do their best locally of you know deer management and taking your part of hitting does um i think it's you know it's starting to be a better trend and i think um michigan has that opportunity you know it, it's really pressured and we all know but um i think michigan does have that potential of becoming at least uh you know a step close to i can't say the same as but you know closer to like in ohio to yep. where it's um, good quality deer as long as you guys are doing the right things. And, um, I think it's on the upswing for sure. I agree, man. Couldn't have said any better. I, I totally agree. Um, now if they could move it to like a one buck tag a year or oh, I would please, love that. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's just me being selfish, but I know a lot of guys that would definitely pay more money than we pay right now for two buck tags, but pay for one buck tag. And I mean, if you did that, and I mean, I feel like in a year or two, you'd see a huge difference, huge difference. Oh yeah. You know, I mean like wrap your brain around this thought. If we did, everyone is entitled to one buck tag. And on top of that, unlimited doe tags, you know, whatever you pay for them. Yep. Um, you, you increase the price of your buck tag to let's say, say 50 bucks a pop. Yep. Um, you get one buck tag. It's 50 bucks. Unlimited does for, 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever you want to charge. On top of that, you can enter in for an additional five or 10 bucks, just like your other Michigan lottery for your second buck tag. 
paying on top of that, and then you, they take the pool every year and take out 15, 20% of the applicants every year and pay for that additional buck tag. Now, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't be chopping everyone off at the knees of saying, you know, we're going right to one buck, but then also you get the extra revenue that the state's looking for. You get the uh, potential of keeping your second buck tag, but then also people who you know, aren't as fortunate to uh, have even just a one-acre section um, don't have access to getting outside of certain limits to go to state land or just aren't comfortable doing it, um, can shoot as many does as they please. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, it it would definitely make the hunter, you know, think about what they're going to shoot, you know, or, or pull back on or take the safety off on. It would definitely make, make them think twice about it. Exactly. You know, and that's, it all, was, that's all Michigan needs. Yep. I couldn't agree more, man. Well, cool. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you loose here. Um, we're getting up here on time. We're right around an hour, right at an hour right now. So I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. And you know, hopefully, you can get out there and do it again next year. <laughs> yeah, say so I talk about a second buck tag. I still got one more. So <laughs> there we'll you go. And the season's not over. <laughs> <laughs> Piece something together. We'll see for late season. But yeah. hey, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been it's an honor to be on here. I'm excited to listen to it. Um, I've been following um, all of your previous fall podcasts and excited to keep listening. And uh, I've learned so much from you and from the guests you've had. And I hope someone can take a little bit of information from our uh, one acre plots and uh, put it towards their own. So For sure, man. We should do another compare and contrast next year and, and uh, kind of see what we come up with. Because they're, I mean, they're two vastly different pieces. And, you know, we're kind of getting the same results other than I haven't killed 130 inch deer on mine yet but, but i got them there on trail cam in daylight <laughs> i just gotta be there <laughs> for sure so, hey don't don't speak too soon because uh you got a little hunting left to do yeah yep for sure well cool man thank you very much for coming on here and uh i guess we'll catch up with you later all right sounds good thanks for having me all right there you have it i mean another good podcast great story out of michigan with taylor artists i mean crazy how you climb in a tree and 40 yards away there's you know a shooter buck just bedded in the grass and then this other buck comes running in (laughs) with this doe and the and the buck doesn't even stand up doesn't even care what's going on i mean just unbelievable story it's just crazy how love struck these deer get you know in the rut and just how you know focused they are and how a lot of times they just don't give a shit what's going on around them so pretty crazy but uh thank you again to taylor for for coming on um, I do want to let you guys know we got a lot of cool guests coming up here. We got some success stories. We got some product stuff coming up. We've got, I mean, you name it, we're going to try to do it. And one thing Taylor was talking about, you know, doing the, the deer tracking stuff, I've got a couple guys lined up that I, I need to get back a hold of so we can do that because that's a that's a big can of worms that a lot of people don't understand what goes into tracking deer with a dog and, you know, where you hit, shot placement, all that stuff. So that's definitely on the, on the to-do list. So thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you guys with that. And uh, actually one more, go, you know, to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. It's greatly appreciated. Tell a friend. If you like it or dislike it, tell a friend, say, hey, it's a great podcast or it's a shitty podcast. So uh, tell a friend, I'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop rambling. Hopefully you guys have uh, some luck the rest of the season here. We're getting, we're, we're winding down in a lot of areas. So good luck to everybody. And uh, we'll catch you right here next week on the full podcast.